Welcome to the Christ Walk Podcast. At Christ Walk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, 11 o'clock. How's everybody doing? You guys are having just a wee too much fun. Just need to dial it back. Just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So good to see you guys today. So glad that you are here with us. And I'm excited about continuing this series. It's been such an incredible series thus far, and I'm excited that today one of my very best friends in the whole entire world is coming to deliver part three of this series. So uh, Trevor Heinemann, um, was, uh, he, he's the administrative pastor uh, at Canton Church in Canton, Georgia, and he and I were on staff there. I was on staff there with him um, for three years uh, and, and at one point, uh, at one point, did I just say point? I don't even, I'm just making up words. At one point during that, we even shared an office together. And so he's seen me at my best. He's certainly seen me at my worst and everywhere in between. And he's got all of the nitty gritty details, all the dirt on me that you may want to know. He has all of that. So just see him after service, but be warned, it won't come cheap. Okay. <laughs> So, like, he'll give that information, but it's very expensive. So if you're going to come, you know, come hard, okay? Um, But uh, he and his wife, Lauren, are uh, very close friends of uh, of, uh, me and Sarah. And um, Trevor is, in a lot of ways, he's like the brother that I never had. And um, in just having friends and partnerships in ministry, uh, we'll often call each other. We'll pitch ideas. We'll talk about things. um, And... One thing is for sure, anytime that I'm around Trevor, I always get better. And even though he's several years younger than me, he teaches me things. I learn things from him all the time. And I know that you are going to be blessed. You're going to be challenged by his ministry and his message today. So I would invite you to give Trevor Heinemann a big, warm Christ Walk welcome as he comes to the stage this morning. Thanks, buddy. Well, Blake and I, what, I don't get any, hey, Trevor from Lois, like there's no shout outs. Thanks, Lois. I appreciate it. (laughs) Blake and I, you should have. You totally should have. Blake and I have a longstanding agreement that anytime we ever have to introduce each other, like he just did of introducing me, we'll always lie and say good things. So thanks for coming through on that promise we made a long time ago. I'm kidding. So I'm not going to follow through on that. I'm going to tell all the bad things about Blake. No, I'm kidding. Again, I'm excited to be here today, though. I really am. I love what God's doing here at Christ Walk. I love this place. I love this house. I love your pastor. Um, your pastor is, like he said for him, he is one of my best friends. Um, he's someone that I call probably more than he wants me to, to um, ask ideas about, run things by, complain about people that I work with still that he doesn't work with. I'm just kidding. If you're watching the podcast later, Pastor Jeremy, I'm not talking about you. We're going to have to podcast the first service for sure now. So, no, but I love Pastor Blake and Sarah. My wife and I love their family. I may try to steal Luke and take him back with us so he can run lights at our church. He kills it. That's fantastic. I, they're like excited for you to leave, Luke. I don't know what that's about. Like, yeah, Luke's gone. I'm just kidding. 
but I love your pastor. You know, one of the realities and truths of ministry is that when we show up on Sunday, every single Sunday, what we kind of call in the church world and what the phrase we use is every Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday. So you have a Super Bowl Sunday. It's the two teams that have made it that far in the year. And in the church, and, and for them, they're going to put it all on the line that Sunday. They're going to give their best because the Super Bowl is on the line. They've made it and they're going to do whatever it takes, whatever's necessary to try to win that game. And so in church world, we say the terms we use is every Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday. The reality for us as pastors and for the volunteers and the teams of Christ Walk is that it's sometimes easy to tell when it's someone's first time walking in the door. Like if it was your first time today, I spoiler alert, we could kind of tell or some people maybe ought to tell. And we've all been new. So we do this, we get out of the car and we're doing this look, right? Like we're trying to find where we're supposed to go. And if you've done anything in guest services, you you know how to pick out that look of like, I don't know where to go with my children. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to sit. I don't know where to use the restroom. And so there's that look, but here's the catch. And as a pastor, as a guest services, as someone that works or serves at a church, we can tell when it's someone's first time, but we can't always tell when it's someone's last time. We don't know when someone's giving God one last shot. We don't want to know when someone's saying, this is the last time I'm ever going to go to a church. And so the reality for pastors and for Pastor Blake is, is that every single Sunday has to be treated like Super Bowl Sunday. For someone in the room every week, for someone in a children's environment, for a youth environment, wherever it might be, someone may be saying, I'll give God one last shot. And so as a pastor on a staff, it's sometimes very difficult to show up on church on Sunday. And you know, you come and you sit in this room and you worship and your worship band's unbelievable. They did such a great job this morning, Lee. Absolutely. Give them a hand. But we come into rooms like this and we sit and we worship and then we get fed and hopefully something I say today like affects you in your life. And and we leave and we feel like, man, I feel encouraged. I feel lifted up. I've been poured into. And sometimes as a pastor, you get to come to church on Sunday and you leave and you're like, I don't feel poured into at all. I've been pouring out all Sunday. And so here's why I tell you all of that. I'm really thankful for your pastor because on Mondays when I go for a run or on Wednesday mornings while I'm doing something, he's my pastor. I listen to his podcast every week to get poured into midweek because Sunday mornings I show up and I'm on at my church and I'm doing a million different things and I don't always get fed and get poured into. And so I'm really thankful for your pastor and what he does in my life and how he pours into me and speaks into my life and encourages and challenges me in his messages and in his sermon. And so can we do something? I've always said, you're right, you're so close. I've always said, give honor where honor is due. And so can we just honor your pastor for a moment? Absolutely. I want you to, I want you to know, Christ Walk, that God's up to big things here. Um, and I want you to know that like your pastor loves this place. He talks about it all the time and everything he says is so good. And he's so encouraged and excited about what God's doing in this house. And so I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that you're here with him at this church. But today we're continuing a series called You Asked For It. And I love that y'all are doing this series. I love that, that your pastor is kind of open to the idea of allowing people to kind of shape and 
mold, where he takes you guys and what he talks about. And so this is a cool series. Y'all are in week three, so it clearly shows me that he didn't want me to kick this thing off. And he wanted to have a week next week to clean up the mess that I make today. And so we're gonna get part one of part two of this because he's gonna probably have to come back next week and clean up my mess. And if you are a first time guest in the room, I encourage you, don't base everything you think about this church on today. Come back, let your pastor speak to you. I promise, <laughs> for real. I promise you'll love him. He's great. He and his family are truly some of the best in the world. But today I've been tasked with the duty of talking to you about this idea of, of really how do I live out the will of God for my life? And, and I love this topic and I love so much about it. You know, from my personal story, when I graduated high school, you know, they, for some reason, think 18 year olds are ready to like know what they want to do for the rest of their life. And so they're like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I'm like, well, I am growing up. I'm 18 now, right? That's our mentality when we're 18. And so I started attending college and I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go and I'm going to be an architect until I didn't like math in college. And I was like, I can't do that. And then I was like, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this and now I'm going to go and I'm going to be in criminal justice and now I'm going to go and I'm going to be a history teacher. Like I just kind of bounced around from degree to degree. And for some reason, colleges allow you to take like 12 to 15 credit hours for something brand new right after I just changed. So I've got credit hours. If I could sell credit hours for random degrees, I could make a lot of money doing so. And so I was 18, 19, 20 years old trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and I was doing all these different things, frustrated with the idea that I don't know what it is that I feel that God has called me to do. What is my purpose in life? What is God's will for my life? And I remember I heard that there was a church plant taking place in a community that I live close to. And they were gonna be launching more portable out of a high school. And the pastor who was going to launch that church invited me to go to lunch with him one day. And, and we're sitting in a Mexican restaurant and sitting there in the middle of the restaurant, I broke down and started crying like a baby because I knew when he asked me, hey, I want you to come and I want you to be a part of this, that I knew this is God's will for my life. I'm supposed to go and do ministry and be a part of vocational ministry, that this is what I do full time. And so if you're in the room and you're like, well, that's not my story, I'm 15 and what am I supposed to do tomorrow or I'm 35 and I love my job or I'm 45 and I've been doing the same thing for 20 years and I'm tired of it or I'm 65 and I'm ready to retire and what's my God, what's God's will for the next step of my life and so that's really what I want to talk about today I want to talk about what does it look like kind of for us to wake up every day of every week and tomorrow morning when it's Monday and we go back to school or work what does it look like for me on Monday to live out God's will for my life. If you've got your Bible, if you've got a smartphone that you follow along with, you've got the Bible app or anything, you can turn to Mark chapter two. We're gonna spend our time today looking at one of my favorite stories in scripture. It's a really cool story. I love this story. We're gonna start reading in verse one of Mark chapter two. And so as you're turning there, I just, I'm so excited to talk to you today about this idea of God's will for our lives. And so we're gonna look at this story and then we're gonna kind of dissect this story and see how it applies to us and how we can live out God's will for our lives through some of the principles that we can learn in this story. So Mark chapter two, we're gonna read verses one through five and then we're gonna skip verses six through 10 and then we're gonna read verses 11 and 12 together. So Mark chapter two, verse one, it says, a few days later, 
When Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. For since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Verse 11. So verses six through 10, after Jesus tells him that his sins are forgiven, the religious officials, the religious leaders in the room get frustrated and upset that Jesus would say something like this. And so this is a conversation or rather an argument between Jesus and them, verse six through 10. I encourage you to read that on your own later. And then verse 11, Jesus then turns his attention back to the paralyzed man and says this. I tell you, get up take your mat and go home. He got up, he took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Now, if you've been around church for any period of time, you've probably heard this story. You've heard this talked about Jesus and his miracles, or you've heard this talked about like the faith of the paralyzed man. And there really are three different characters or groups of characters that we're gonna look at in this story. You One, you obviously have Jesus. He plays a really big part of this as he does most stories in the New Testament. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The gospel accounts are the, the firsthand eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. And so this is a part of telling the life of Jesus while he was here on earth. So you've got Jesus in the story. You obviously have the paralyzed man in the story. He plays a really big part because he's the guy who couldn't walk and then starts walking. He's a really big deal in this story. This is his story. And so you've got Jesus, you've got the paralyzed man. And then the third person, or rather a group of people, is you've got this group of guys that carry the paralyzed man to Jesus. And it refers to four of them that actually carry. So we don't really even know how large the group was. Was it only four or were there five? or six because it says four of them carried. We don't know their names. We don't know where they came from. We don't know anything about them. But today, that's the group I want to focus on. I want us to focus on this group of guys that scripture refers to that four of them carried a lame man, a lame man to Jesus and that guy got healed. And I believe there are three things that we can pull out of this story distinctively. That if we apply these three things to our lives and we wake up daily and say, God, I want to do these three things. I really truly believe that that can allow us to live out God's will that he's placed on our lives for each and every one of us. For ultimately, for all of us, God has called us to the same thing. Go and make disciples. The Great Commission, it doesn't just apply to Pastor Blake. It doesn't just apply to Pastor Nate. Like It applies to every single person that claims and calls themselves to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus. This applies to everyone. This idea of go and make disciples, go and be the hands and feet, the ambassador for Jesus to let people know the good news, the message news that Jesus loves them and died for them and can forgive their sins and change their lives and their families' lives. And so I think that for each and every one of us, if we do these three things out of this story, we can really find a way to live out God's will for our lives. For the first thing that we can do, if you take notes, you can write these three down. If you don't, that's fine. I don't take notes either when I sit in church. Pastor Blake, I think, does. He loves Jesus more than me. But, <laughs> but Pastor Blake's going to take notes. If you need notes later, you can just steal his notes. But three things that we can do daily to live out the will of God for our lives. The first thing that we must be willing to do is we must be willing to sacrifice our time. 
got to be willing to sacrifice our time. Mark chapter 2, verse 3, it said, Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Now, when I study scripture, when I study God's word, I'll open up a passage of scripture and I'll read a story. And when I read that story, I'll kind of go back through it and I'll do a couple of different things. I'll put myself in the story and I'll be like, what would I have seen? Like when, if I was there that day, what would it have actually really looked like? I'll think to myself and I'll ask myself the question, what would, what would I have experienced? What would, what would have been going on around me? If I would have been there, an eyewitness account of this event taking place, what would have been going on around me? And then I'll ask myself, what would I have learned from this? How would I have been able to take what I saw that day and applied it to my life? And so when I study scripture, that's really how I study. And so I do the same thing for that story. So imagine, if you will, with me, if you have a good imagination, this is easier than if you don't, but imagine, if you will, with me, that you're there that day, that there's this group of guys, they're walking down the side of a road, and on the side of the road, there's a paralyzed man laying there on a mat. Now, maybe you've passed to this guy a hundred times, and he begs for money every time you pass, or he begs for food every time you pass. Maybe a couple different times you flipped him a coin, or you had some extra bread left over, and, and you, give, you gave him a little bit of bread every now and then. Maybe you've actually sat and had a conversation with the guy. Maybe you knew his name. Or maybe this is the first time you've ever seen him. We don't know. We don't know the relationship dynamics between the group of guys and the, and the, the paralyzed man. But we know that they're going and they, they had to have had plans that day. And they were going to set out on their plans. And, they, and then they're, as they're going, they run across this man that's laying on the side of the road. And they stop everything that they're doing. And they say, today is going to be a little different. Today is going to be a day that I'm going to not put my agenda first. I'm not going to live my busy life. And I'm going to push all of my plans aside. And I'm going to make room for God to do something. I'm going to make room for God to use me. What I'm ultimately going to do is I'm going to sacrifice my time for someone else. It's the first thing we have to do. If we want to say, like, God, today, I want to live out the will of God for my life, then I have to be willing to say, God, today, I want to sacrifice my time. God, today, like, use me. Find a way to utilize these hands today, God. Find a way to utilize these feet. Find a way to utilize this tongue, these lips, this mouth, this mind, this body. God, utilize me today to bring you Glory. So that's the first thing that we must be do. We must sacrifice our time. The second thing that we must be willing to do in order to live out the will of God for our life is we must be willing to do whatever it takes. Mark chapter two, verse four, it says, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on into the room. We must be willing to do whatever it takes. So I told you a second ago, I picture what it would have looked like if we would have been there that day. So this group of guys, they're walking towards this house and the house is crammed full of people on the inside. There are people standing at every window with their heads stuck in, just trying to get a glimpse of Jesus, trying to hear something that he says. As you get closer to the front door, there's a crowd of people kind of pushed up against the door frame. They're just sticking their head in, just hoping to catch one glimpse of what Jesus is telling everybody that's already in the house. And here you are, you're walking down the sidewalk of the house, you and three of your friends, and you're carrying this mat that this lame man's laying on, and you walk up, you tap the guy on the shoulder that's standing right in the doorway, and you say, excuse us, we need to get in. And that guy kind of turns and he looks at you, and he's like, are you kidding me? Like, it's crowded in there, you're not getting in, I can't even get in. 
It's happening again. Excuse us. We've got a lame man. We're trying to get him to Jesus. The guy's like, buddy, you're not getting in. Are you crazy? Like this house is full. There's no way you're getting into the house. Give up. So you and your group of friends, you come back and you set the lame man down and you walk over here so he doesn't have to hear you talking about him. And you have this conversation of, well, maybe we've done enough. Maybe we've done all we can do. Like if we're honest, like we've had that conversation when we've served people, right? Like we've thought that in our head, like when we're doing something, we're like, well, I've done, I've done a good job, a good job. Like you kind of give yourself the self pat on the back of like, I've done a lot. Like I've done all I can do. I've gotten him this far. Like this is good enough. I've done all that I can do. What if one of the guys in the group says, let's just try one more time. Let's give it one more shot. And so they go back over, pick the guy up, walk up to the house, tap that guy on the shoulder again. Excuse us. We've got a lame man. We're trying to get him to Jesus. And the guy says, there's no way that you can get in the house. I can't get in the house. He can't get in the house. She can't get in the house. Nobody else can get in the house. It's full. You gotta just give up. The guys come back set the guy down, walk off to the side, have a conversation again. And one of the guys may say, well, we've done, like, this is great. Like, as soon as Jesus leaves, if we just lay him right here, he's right next to the sidewalk. As soon as Jesus leaves and walks out the house, he has to walk right by. This is perfect, guys. We've gotten him. This is awesome. Great job. And then one guy in the group, maybe stand there. He's doing the, like, thinking man, like, chin rub. And he goes, he says this famous phrase. He says, guys, I've got a crazy idea. I've got a crazy idea. Now, at different points in your life, a crazy idea means totally different things. When you're in middle school, any middle schoolers here? A couple middle schoolers maybe? When you're a middle schooler, and I'm not picking on you, I love you. Like Middle school is my favorite group of people in the world. But when you're in middle school, when someone says, I've got a crazy idea, that usually means two things. One, that means that kid's the idea guy. He's never the one that gets in trouble. He's never the one that gets hurt. He's the idea man. And so the idea guy comes up with this guy and goes, guys, I got a crazy idea. This is awesome. This is always works. It's going to work this time. We should jump that creek with our bikes. Now, two, the second thing happens. Idea man, he's just standing there watching. He's the filmer, right? He's the guy who never gets in trouble, never gets busted, never gets hurt. But then his friend, who's the one who's always talked into doing it, he ends up breaking his arm because he tried to jump the creek on his bike and couldn't make it. And he had a crazy idea. And he's like, mom, Billy told me it would work. It will be fine. I promise he's, it's his fault, right? Like that's what happens when you're in middle school and you have a crazy idea. But there are moments of our lives where we have these ideas that are crazy ideas. And sometimes I like to call the crazy ideas God ideas. And there's a group of guys and they're standing there. And one of them says, guys, I have a crazy idea. Now we know where this is going. We've already read the story, but picture with me, if you will, what it would have actually looked like as this takes place. There's a group of guys carrying a guy who can't walk, who's paralyzed, who's lame, and they're climbing up onto the roof of a house. Like, this looks weird. It doesn't make sense. You're probably standing there thinking, are they going to throw him off? Like, you don't know what's going on. Imagine as you're up there and you're the homeowner and you start seeing people destroying the roof of your house. Like, the next time it rains, you got water coming into the living room. Like if you go home this afternoon and your neighbor gets a ladder, leans it up onto your house, climbs up, takes a chainsaw and starts cutting a hole in your roof, it's not going well. Like you're not gonna be okay with this situation. But that's what took place this day. This wasn't normal. They are up on the roof. 
They're digging a hole. The roof would have been made out of mud and clay kind of all formed together. And so they're digging this up. And you got to imagine as they're digging and the first little bit of the hole gets down into the room, a little bit of dirt starts falling in. Now you've got these religious officials in the room that are too good for their, their own good. They've got to be offended that they're getting dirt falling in on them. Like imagine the people that are sitting in the room that assume that Jesus is angry that the first clump of dirt fell and hit Jesus right on the top of the head. Like can you imagine how offended they would be that Jesus is getting dirty? I don't think Jesus was offended. But they're doing all of this and it's chaos. But what happened? It was a group of guys that said, I'm gonna sacrifice my time and I am willing to do whatever it takes to get someone else to their miracle. I'm willing to do whatever is possible, whatever's necessary, whoever I have to make angry, whoever's house I have to go back and fix later, I'm willing to do whatever it takes for someone else to get to the feet of Jesus. For you and I, every single day that we wake up, We've got to say, God, use these feet. God, use these hands. God, use this mind. Use this body. Because that's the day when we start doing that, that we truly start living out the will of God for our lives. Yes, there are moments of our lives that I call chapter-turning moments where you open up a new chapter, you take a new job, you ask her to marry you or you choose not to, you choose which college you're going to, you move your family. Like there are chapter turning moments and those moments take tons of prayer and tons of time and fasting and seeking wise counsel. But every single day you have the choice to wake up and say, today, do I wanna choose to live the will of God for my life? Which means that I wake up and say, God, here I am, use me. It's our choice daily. The will of God, I don't want to simplify it. Please hear my heart. I'm not trying to say that it's simple. It's difficult to do. But if we would just wake up every single day and do that, you would be living out the will of God for your life. Wherever you go, whatever you do, if you just say, God, here I am, use me. God, here I am. Help me find the lame people in life. God, help me find the roofs to cut holes in. Don't really go cut a hole in your neighbor's roof this afternoon. It's, don't tell them like I did it. Tell them Pastor Blake did it. But like, <laughs> use what God's given you. And say, God, here I am. Use me. It was a group of guys that said, I'm willing to do whatever it takes for someone else to get to Jesus. Are you willing to go to the roof? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to help someone else get to the Father? And then the third and the final thing that we can learn from this story, and if I gotta be honest, this is the most difficult one for me to do. It's easy for me to say, yeah, like, let's, let's give of our time. It's easy for me to say, like, let's do whatever it takes. But the third and the final one is we must be willing to not be in the room when the miracle happens. To live out the will of God for our lives. We must be willing to not be in the room when the miracle happens. If we read again, if we read in verse 5, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Skip ahead to verse 11. It says, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. And then you know what verse 13 says? Verse 13 talks about how then Jesus turned to the guys that had done all the hard work 
And he said, hey, can we give a hand clap for these guys who did all of this? Like, hey, Jesus is coming over. He's patting them on the back saying, awesome job, guys. I can't believe, like, you did all this hard work to get this paralyzed man so he can get his miracle. Like, you're the real heroes of this story. No, it's not what happened. You know what happened? Thousands of years later, when we're still reading this story, we still don't even know their names. We don't know who they are. We don't know where they came from. We know nothing about them other than they said, I'm willing to give of my time and I'm willing to do whatever it takes because what happened when that guy was getting his miracle? Those guys were still on the roof. I got to imagine that maybe they're standing around the hole and they're kind of covering their eyes so the sun doesn't blind them so they can maybe see what's happening down in there. They're kind of peering down in there. Maybe like one of them gets down on like his hands and his knees and he's like, hold me, don't let me fall in the hole. And he's like looking and giving like play by play. And they're standing there and they're looking down and one of them slaps him and goes, did you see that? Did that guy's leg just move? Is he standing up? Is he, is that, that can't be, that's not the same guy. But they're not in the room. They're not getting the praise. They're not getting the glory. They're not getting the pat on the back. Jesus isn't giving them the golf clap of like, great job, guys. You're amazing. They're not even there. They're still getting yelled at by the house owner who's ticked that there's a hole in his roof while that guy's in the house getting his miracle. Here's the reality for each and every one of us. It's really difficult sometimes to not want to be in the limelight. It's really difficult for us sometimes to not want to kind of be the center of attention while someone that you've prayed for for years finally makes the decision to follow Jesus. It's really hard for us to not go, man, I've been praying for him for so long. You know what's really difficult to do? It's really difficult as a pastor to stand on a stage and not go, it's about me, guys. Look at me. I'm literally in the light. Look at me. I'm so thankful that you have a pastor that doesn't do that. So thankful that you have a pastor that, that realizes that it's not about him. It's not about, it's not about what he does. It's about what God does through him. I'm thankful that you have a pastor that wakes up and says, God, here's my hands. Here's my feet. Here's my mouth. Use me. You know who the heroes are? The heroes are the people that right now are in that other building changing diapers and holding screaming kids and teaching people because they're over there while you're in here. And they're doing and they're saying, I will do whatever it takes so that mom and dad can go in there and fight for their marriage. I will do whatever it takes so that mom and dad can go in there and restore their faith so that that child can grow up in a home that loves Jesus and pursues God with all they have. They're over there saying, I'm willing to do whatever it takes so the mom and dad can come to know Jesus to change their family tree forever. They're heroes. They're doing things. I don't want to change diapers. Like, that's not my gift. Like, that's not my calling. I know it's not. But there are people that say, you know what? These hands, these feet, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Okay, what do you need? It's Florida. Y'all don't realize it. I don't know if y'all realize this or not. It gets really hot here in the summertime. It gets real hot here. But there are people that say, you know what? I'm going to stand out in the parking lot and help people know where to go 
and help people find where to take their kids and tell people where to go to check in. And I'm gonna stand here and I'm gonna give out cups and, and I'm gonna give out sweat towels and I'm gonna give out t-shirts to get guests and I'm gonna stand out here and it has to be outside and it's a thousand degrees under this tent, but I'm willing to do it because I'm in and I want people to know that Jesus loves them. And if this is me using my hands and my feet, God, it's not about me. I don't have to be in the room when that person gets saved. I don't have to be in the room when they say, let's fight for this. I don't have to be in the room when God does something miraculous in their life because I'm out here saying, God, whatever you need me to do. They're the heroes. They're the heroes. So for you and I, what does it look like? What does it look like? You know what I want for my life? For my life, I want to find time to pick up lame people and carry them. I want to find time Build time into my busy schedule. You know, I don't know if you've realized this or not, but over the last four or five years, our terminology when someone says, how are you doing, has changed from I'm good because you don't want to really answer to our go-to nine out of 10 times is I'm busy. Life's busy. Man, I'm busy. Life's good, but I'm busy, right? Like we say those things constantly. And so I want to find time in my busy schedule to cut out time to find people that are lame that I can carry. You know what I want to do? I want to go and I want to dig holes in roofs. I want to go and I want to be standing there and saying, guys, I got a God idea. Let's go cut a hole in someone's roof for the kingdom. If God really calls you to dig a hole, that's awesome. But what's the hole in a roof in your life? Who's the lame person that you know that needs you to help them get to their miracle? Who's the lame person in your life that you know that's laying there, that feels defeated, that feels down, that doesn't feel like they can do it, that you can walk up to and say, you got this, let's go together. Where's the hole in the roof that you can cut? Or do you need to grab your ax and say, let's go to work, let's dig some holes, let's cut through this together. I will get you there. I'll do whatever it takes for you to get to Jesus. And then you gotta be okay when that person walks in and they have their God moment, that you're back here, you're not in the room, and you're saying, God's got this. It's not about me. Because here's what I'm gonna tell you, and I get to tell you this because I get to drive six hours north of Atlanta to Atlanta, so you can be mad at me if you want to. Here's the reality. It ain't about you. It's not. It's not about you. It's not. I know we want it to be sometimes, but it's about you saying, God, here's two feet, here's two hands, here's this mouth, here's this mind, here's this body. Use it for your glory. Where's the lame man I need to pick up? Where's the hole that needs dug? And then let me get out of the way and you do what only you can do. Christ Walk Church, I want you to be people that find lame people. As I drive this community and I love this community, as I drive this community, there are broken people in your community. Newsflash, not everyone in your city loves Jesus yet. But yet's the key word. Go find them. There are people in your community that need you to bust through walls for them. Do it. Pursue God. There are people that need you to serve them, and then they need you to get out of the way and say, it ain't about me, it's about God and what he can do in your life. Let's pray together. God, we love you. 
God, I thank you for this house. God, I thank you for this, this place, God, and all that you have done, are doing, and are going to do in Christ Walk Church and through Christ Walk Church. God, I pray right now that this is a house, this is a church, this is a place that is filled with people that say, I will do whatever it takes. God, let this be a group of people that say, I will dig holes in roofs. I will go and pick up lame people. It ain't about me. I will just serve because God, you've called each and every one of us to the great commission. And that means that we are all called to go and to proclaim the name of Jesus. And so God, for every one of us, I pray that we would live out the will of God for our lives through that. The will of God for my life and for their life is to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So God, let us go and do that every single day of every single week. God, I pray that there are world changers in this room. There are community changers in this room. There are family changers in this room. God, there are going to be family trees forever changed because of what you're going to do through the people of this room. And then God, I pray more fervently than I pray anything else that I prayed today, that God, this would be a group of people that are willing to step out of the way and say, God, it's not about me. It's about you and your kingdom and your glory and your power forever and ever and ever. And everybody in the house said, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope you were inspired by the message. For more information, visit www.thechristwalk.com.